The parable of the sower is actually found in uh, Matthew 13, in Mark chapter 4, and in Luke 8. Today I'd just like to read to you the uh, version that you find in Matthew 13. Verse 1 to 9, and then I'll read Jesus' interpretation of the parable, verse 18 to 23. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered round him that when he got into a boat and sat in it, all the people stood on the shore, and he told them many things in parables and said, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop of 160 or 30 times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And later on, Jesus says, listen to the meaning of the parable. When someone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. That's the seed sown on the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since it has no root, he lasts only a short time. When troubles or persecutions come because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. It produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is God's word. Now really, for a number of weeks we've been looking at something that I'll just state here, and that is... Jesus did not simply bring forgiveness of sins when he came. He did not come and simply say, if you receive me, I'll forgive your sins. Now, if that's all he ever offered, that'd be wonderful anyway. That would be stupendous. The end of guilt and self-recrimination. Think about it. And yet, as wonderful as that is, that's just the beginning. Jesus says, I come to bring the kingdom of God. Forgiveness of sins is just the beginning. It's just the, it's just the foundation. It's just the start. The kingdom of God is nothing less than the power of God in heaven entering the world to heal every alienation and every brokenness in every dimension of human life, whether it's social or economical or racial or emotional or physical or psychological hmm? or spiritual. And we have seen, therefore, that when you enter the kingdom, when God's kingdom power comes into your life, it means that even though it's not completely here yet, and even though not to the last day will he wipe away every tear, and will wipe away all brokenness and all alienation, and yet we are shown here the comprehensiveness of the program and power of the, of the Christian faith, that the power of God comes in so that you can assault all sorts of brokenness, that you heal in every area, that through you, you assault brokenness in every dimension of life. And so the kingdom of God is a comprehensive thing, and it's an all-powerful thing. We've been looking at it for three weeks. And what I'd like to look at today and next week, the last two Sundays in August, is two different parables, one this week, one next week, on how Jesus tells us we enter the kingdom of God. What does it mean to enter? How do we enter? How does that power come in? How do we come into that power? And the answer this week 
is an unusual answer, and I just want you to, I want to lay it on your heart and for you to think about the implications of it. The kingdom of God cometh by hearing. Therefore, take heed how you hear. That's it. That's the principle. The kingdom of God, I know I'm quoting the old King James, the kingdom of God cometh by hearing. So take heed how you hear. The kingdom of God comes through hearing the word, therefore be careful how you hear. Now let's just take a look at that statement. The kingdom of God comes by hearing, therefore be careful, take heed how you hear. Let's look at the two principles, or the, the two sides. First of all, let me just show you what Jesus means when he says the kingdom of God comes by hearing. This was very unusual. This was, I'll show you how unusual. Earthly kingdoms always come through coercion and force. They never come through hearing. Earthly leaders almost always are great at getting a hearing, but the kingdom of God comes to people who are good at giving a hearing. Let me just show you how radically different this is. Listening. Listening well, listening deep, listening and understanding is the primary skill of the kingdom of God. Without it, you can't enter it. And the power of the kingdom can't come into your life. Without it, you can't proceed. Without it, the power of God cannot, the kingdom power can't throw, flow out through other people. Your ability to sit down and listen, your ability to take in what somebody else is saying, your ability to truly listen and hear is the most important ability. It's not true in earthly kingdoms. If I look at most leaders that I know, and a lot of them you know, you work under them or you follow them, they are great at getting a hearing. They are great at, at sound bites. They are great at lobbying, at picketing, at getting the message out, at advertising. They're great at coming into a room and into a meeting and getting people to do what they want. In other words, the best leaders in earthly kingdoms are bad listeners. If they listened too well, they wouldn't be dynamic enough. They wouldn't be decisive enough. They'd be pushed aside by somebody else who's a worse listener than them. Because that's where you get your power in earthly kingdoms. By talking rather than listening. By putting forth, by getting a hearing rather than giving a hearing. Well, let me tell you something. Just, I have been unusually convicted this month in studying this particular truth. Ministers in particular, you see, are just so easily conformed to the, to the uh, pattern of the world. The kingdom of God comes by listening, by hearing, by receiving, by taking in, by understanding. And every other kingdom I know moves forward by coercion and by people who do not listen and don't want to listen, don't know how to listen, and are good at making other people listen. Now, here's the reason why. The reason why is because the kingdom of God, the secret of the kingdom of God is the seed. And the seed, Jesus has told us, is teaching. It's the word of the kingdom. It's the Christian message. It's the Bible. It's, the, it's information. The kingdom of God moves forward on the basis of hearing the truth. Whereas human kingdoms and earthly kingdoms always move forward on the basis of coercion and force. Look, when Alexander the Great brought his kingdom to a town, everybody knew it was there. There was only two kinds of people left in the town after Alexander got his kingdom there. People in his kingdom and people who were dead. That was it. You either died fighting or you were in the kingdom. It was overwhelming. 
That's even true in democracies, though. You know, if, if 51% of the population vote for one person for president, 49% for another person for president, what happens is the 49% who voted against the person have to, have to serve, they have to submit to him, because even democracy is a coercion of the majority. The kingdom of God, though, is different. It's like a seed, not like a boulder. When the boulder comes to hit the ground, it smashes the ground, but the seed comes in very quietly. The boulder transforms the ground, revolutionizes it, revolutionizes it externally. The seed revolutionizes it internally. The boulder comes and does it suddenly and coercively. The seed comes and does it organically, gradually, and gently. The boulder actually just breaks the land, but the seed transforms the soil into a garden or a forest. It transforms it by reorienting and rechanneling its energies, its nutrients and its minerals into life-giving processes. The boulder ultimately doesn't really change the land. It just breaks it with sheer external power. The seed transforms it completely and ultimately transforms it more completely. It's not superficial the way a boulder does it. In the same way, human kingdoms, whether it's an Alexander the Great bloody kingdom or whether it's a democratic process, only superficially can affect you. It's done through coercion. But the kingdom of God comes by getting the truth and having it penetrate the heart. We don't understand this. We're not used to it. And I would suggest to you right now, if you look at your heart for a minute, that many of you who are not able to give yourself to the Christian faith, you haven't been able to give yourself to Christ, and many of you who have, and many of you who are Christians but who are struggling mightily and not growing and unhappy and confused in your Christian faith, are in that condition because you think that the kingdom of God ought to operate the way the kingdoms of earth do. See, you're like John the Baptist who was in prison and he sends a messenger out to Jesus and he says, are you really the one, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the one who's bringing the kingdom or should we look for somebody else? Now, why was John the Baptist suddenly full of doubts? Was it a failure of nerve being in, you know, under threat of death in a prison? Was it, it was a failure of nerve? No way. No way. John the Baptist was a tremendously courageous person in temperament. It was a failure of theology. He either didn't understand or he forgot that the kingdom of God does not move forward the way Alexander's kingdom moves forward or any other kingdom. See, John the Baptist is sitting there saying, if you're the king and I'm the servant of the king, why do I hurt so much? Why am I in prison? Why am I about to have my head sliced off? Why are people abusing me? Why is there so much evil going on? Why do so many people reject you? Isn't it possible that that's one of your problems right now? I know how teenagers are, for example. They're always saying, you know, if Jesus was real, why doesn't he just drop on down in front of City Hall and do several miracles right, you know, in front of all the cameras, and then there'll be no more doubts? Teenagers always say that to me. I mean, why doesn't he just do a miracle or something? Like, for example, make me beautiful. You know, if he's really, if he's really the king, why doesn't he just do that? A lot of you are in a, in a similar situation. You're saying, if I really am a Christian and he's the king, why do I still hurt? Why is there so much evil around me? Why is there so much pain? Why am I suffering? Why am I in prison if I am the servant of the great king? And Jesus says to John, and he says to you, that's not how my kingdom works. 
My kingdom doesn't work like earthly kingdoms. It doesn't come through like a boulder and smash everything and put down everything. It doesn't come in like Alexander. It doesn't come in and just wipe everybody off the face of the map except those who submit to me. No! My kingdom comes gently like a seed. At first, it looks vulnerable and weak and completely underwhelming. Because the kingdom of God starts as simply a crazy message. And it's actually crazy. As weak and as strange and as upside down as possible. People scorn it. They laugh at it. They reject it left and right. They say there's no way that's going to change a life. There's no way that's going to change a world. It's a crazy mixed up message. You know what the message is? That a king came from heaven and he triumphed by being tortured and killed. And because he was tortured and killed and died for your sins, therefore, he can come into your life. And you know what that means? It means now his followers lose themselves to find themselves. His followers know now the way up is down. That the way to really be rich is to give away your money. The way to really have power is to become a humble servant to other people. The way to really grow and be transformed into the likeness of Christ in wisdom and love is to go through lots of suffering and pain and learn dependence. What a stupid message. What a crazy mixed up message. That's going to change my life? That's going to change the world? Yes, Jesus says, absolutely. Because the kingdom of God comes by hearing a truth. The weakest little thing like a seed that enters in and doesn't seem to make any difference at first at all. You plant a seed and eventually it will change though, eventually the entire field. Dynamite can't change it the way a seed can. A boulder can't change it the way a seed can. Kingdoms of the earth happen through force. Jesus Christ says, don't you understand my kingdom is going to triumph through love, not force. It's going to create loving obedience, not slaves. That's the reason why it says that the, the, the soil that is really transformed is the man, the woman who's got a heart that takes the truth in and understands it. Understands it. Jesus says, I'm not out for slaves. Animals don't understand. Slaves don't understand. Computers don't understand. I'm out to change you from the inside out, and eventually that crazy, weak little thing, the message of the kingdom, will eventually cover the entire world and wipe away all tears and every single bit of evil. And therefore, for you to hear it and to rehear it and to rehear it and to understand it and to take it in, for you to study the Word of God and to take it in and hold on to it and talk to yourself about it. John the Baptist, that is the kingdom of God, and it comes in a way that looks really strange, but eventually it will change everything. Do you understand that? Teenagers, do you understand that? People who are suffering, people who are in a sense in prison, like John the Baptist saying, why isn't the kingdom of God work the way it should work? In other words, like the kingdoms I'm used to. Jesus says the kingdoms you're used to are going to pass away. And this kingdom will never end. This kingdom is like the littlest seed that turns into the greatest tree. This, this seed is like the little pebble that grows into a mountain that fills the whole earth. Do you understand that? And that's why he says the kingdom of God comes through hearing. But then, the other thing he says, therefore, t make sure that you have heard me. Therefore, take heed how you hear. And the, the parable of the soil actually shows you some tests that will tell you whether or not you've really heard. You know, th th this is a very frightening parable. I, I would just, I don't want to shield you from it. I don't want to shield you from it. 
When Alexander the Great came to town, when you were in his kingdom, you knew it. You got your tax assessment, you know. You, know, I mean, you, you knew when you were in his kingdom. What Jesus Christ is saying is, my kingdom is different. It's very easy to reject. It's very easy to miss. It's very subtle. You have to really listen. You have to reflect. You have to think. You have to take it in. And as a result, there are many, many people, he's saying in this parable, who think they're in the kingdom who are not, who think they've heard me and they haven't really heard me. He does this all the time in the Bible. It's very disconcerting if you read the, if you read the New Testament. Uh, Jesus is always making people say, he's always saying to people, have you really listened? Have you really heard me? Have you really thought it out? For example, in Luke chapter 9, there's a great place where, Jesus says, uh, where a man comes to Jesus and says, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, the typical earthly kingdom leaders, the typical earthly leaders, what do you do when someone comes and says, I'm sold out for you. I want to be in your movement. I want to follow you wherever you go. What do you say? You say, you're just the kind of person we're looking for. But what does Jesus say? He says, foxes have their holds and birds have their nest, but the Son of Man has not got a place to put his head. Boy, I mean, Jesus just puts them off. What is he doing? Why is Jesus being so rude, so harsh? What is Jesus saying? He's saying, do you really know what you're getting into? <laughs> Have you really heard me? Are you really, are, are you really ready to enter my kingdom, or are you just trying to get me to serve you in your kingdom? Have you really understood what this is about? Jesus is always talking like that, and the whole principle of the parable of the sower is to say, make sure you know that you've heard. And the tests that are there are, I'm going to make, you know, there's, there's two ways to preach this parable. One is to, is to look at the whole and then give you a brief overview of the test. The other is to get into every one of the soils and work all out what they all mean. And I've decided to take the former, some of you are very relieved at that, and that is just, just to, let me briefly show you how each one of these soils is a test. The first and there's, they're actually warnings, and I'll just go down them and, and conclude by explaining what they are. The first test, to make sure that you really have heard the messages, the first test is beware of listening to, to the word of, of Jesus with a hard heart, with the intellect only. You see, it says some of the seed falls on hard ground and it never penetrates. A seed can't germinate unless it goes underneath, at least the seeds we're talking about here. And that means, in the same way, it's possible to be in contact with the Word of God regularly. You could come to church, you could, you could uh, adhere to the creed, you could read Christian books and all that, but it's never made a personal penetration. What Jesus means, I think, by this is these are people who, to whom Christianity is only theoretical. Here's your first test. Have you ever come under the personal power of the truth? The message of the kingdom is supposed to get down into the heart. And people who have actually experienced the power of the kingdom in their lives are people who have moved from seeing Christianity as theoretical to suddenly seeing it as a personal discovery. That means, has there ever been a time in your life where the Word of God either preached or read or whatever, that, that the Christian faith suddenly began to dawn on you and you began to see things about yourself you'd never seen? Has there ever been a time where you felt like you were waking up from sleep to the truth that you'd never seen before? Oh, you'd always known about it, but now suddenly it was really, it had your name on it. And now suddenly you would say, this is talking about me. I need this. I've never seen this before. Has there ever been a sense of it thrilling you or amazing you or coming right at you personally? Have you ever moved beyond the theoretical? 
Have you ever felt that the truth, in a sense, had you by the throat? The truth of God had you by the throat and was picking you up. If not, you've been listening to the Word of God with a hard heart maybe all your life. It's only intellectual. That's not penetrating to the heart. Second, the second test, beware of listening to God with a shallow heart. Only emotional. See, the second soil, the second group of people, are people, it says, who receive the word of God with joy. And they spring up. Now, this is really a particularly frightening one. This is talking about people who get very excited about Christ. They have moved beyond the theoretical, in other words. They have said, Christ has changed my life. They're excited about him. They do feel like he's opened their eyes. Uh Uh-uh, but watch out. These people are likened to shallow ground where there's not enough roots for the, the plants to take the heat of the sun. They can't take the heat. And though they have said their crisis has changed their lives and they're very excited about them, as soon as troubles come into their life, as soon as suffering comes into their life, as soon as they begin to lose important things, they turn their back on God and they say, what use, was, what use is Christianity? What use is Jesus Christ if I can't have these things? And Jesus says that shows that though they had an emotional experience, there was some personal penetration. He says these are people who, who never really understood the word of the kingdom. They were, instead of entering, when they became Christians, they thought that they were entering Christ's kingdom, but really what was happening was they were trying to get Christ to enter their kingdom. And they were trying to get Christ, really, to fulfill their agenda. Put it this way. They wanted a blesser, not a savior. They wanted a sugar daddy, not a king. They wanted help and relief, not salvation. They saw Jesus Christ as a service provider, and as long as they had services provided, they had joy. And as soon as he no longer was helping them meet their goals, they had it with them, which showed that the things they really worshipped were the things they'd lost in the heat. Do you hear that? The things they really worshipped, their real gods, were the things they lost in the heat. They had never transferred their trust from themselves to their Savior. They had never transferred the kingship of their lives from themselves to Jesus. They had kept it all along, and they thought, Jesus is going to change me, but they thought that their primary problem was they were a sufferer in need he was a, you're a sufferer in need of a solution when actually your real problem, Christians know, is that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. In other words, they received the Word of God with joy, but they were not convicted of sin. They had this personal experience of Christ, but it did not lead them to repentance. To say, I've been living my own life, trying to be my own God, and now I'm going to let you be my Savior and my God instead of me being my Savior and my God. That never happened to the second group. They heard with a shallow heart, emotion only. They thought Jesus was going to meet a bunch of needs, but they didn't really understand the message of the kingdom. Thirdly, in a sense, the last warning, don't listen to the word of God with a hard heart. Don't listen to the word of God with a shallow heart, the emotions only. Thirdly, don't listen to God, the word of God with a divided heart. The thing that's scary about the third group is it's pretty easy to see the first two groups are not real Christians. It's pretty easy to see that the last soil is a, are real Christians. The trouble with the, with the middle group, the third group, is it's hard to tell. They have root. 
They stick around, but they fell. The seed fell amongst thorns, and the thorns are springing up and making it hard for them to bear fruit. They don't fall away. They don't run away. And you know who these people are? The second soil was full of plants who actually were controlled by the things of the world. But in this group, these people's lives, they're committed to Christ, but Christ shares control with things. There's a division. They worship God, they worship Christ, and they worship these things. There's a division, and as a result, their Christian life is choked. They don't see themselves changing. They don't see, them, they don't see the healing going on. They don't see the real power of God coursing through their lives. And as a result, they're not sure that they're Christians. They're always in doubt. They're always anxious. Just like in the parable, you can't tell. Friends, listen to me. Some of you are committed to Christ, and you have seen that your problem is not just that you're a sufferer in need of a solution, that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and yet you haven't been able to really understand the message of the kingdom so thoroughly as to see that the only way you're ever going to be holy and happy is to give him the lordship of every area. For example, some of you are committed to Christ, and yet you're using your sexuality in a way that you know is wrong. Why are you so unhappy? You're trapped, you see. You're being choked, divided heart. You can't, like the first two soils, the first two groups of people eventually think that Christianity is a crock, and they leave. You know too much. You've got Christ in your heart. You can't go back, but you're not going forward. You are the only people in this whole group that are miserable. The first group isn't miserable. The second group's not miserable. They were joyful, and as soon as Christ looked like he wasn't profiting them, they left. The last group isn't miserable because they know the joy of seeing fruit in their life. You're the only one. The ones that you're committed to Christ, but you know you're doing things. For example, you know that your work is too important to you. You know your priorities are not straight. There's other things crowding Christ out, choking Christ out. You can't look at your life and see fruit. You don't see changes from year to year. You don't see yourself growing in unusual ways. You don't see anybody's life being changed through you. You're being choked, and you're the only ones miserable. Don't forget the great, great illustration of Charles Spurgeon, who said, if you're a real Christian, and you're on the boat of salvation on the way to heaven, and you can't fall off the boat, remember this? But you can fall on the boat, break all your bones, and spend the whole trip in the infirmary. You have a divided heart, and the psalmist says, O Lord, unite my heart to fear thy name. So in summary, don't listen with a hard heart. Let the power of the word come in and begin to affect you personally. Until that happens, you have not had actually the seed of the message of the word of God down into your heart. Secondly, make sure that you don't listen with a shallow heart. Recognize that the word of the kingdom says that you are not simply a person in need of help, but that you're a sinner. And that your main problem is that you've been in rebellion against God. You wanted to live your own life independently. Even if you've been a moral, decent person, you've been trying to keep God out of your life. And that what you need is forgiveness. And if that sounds too radical and too conservative and too fundamentalist and too, and too nasty and negative to you, it's because the seed of the word of God, of the message of the kingdom, has not gotten all the way into your heart yet. You haven't really understood it. But mostly, get beyond the mind only, get beyond the emotions, and get beyond a compliant will to the place where the word of God gets down and creates loving obedience. You know the hymn that says... 
Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Parents know when you've just gotten a kid's will but not their heart, when they just, they just do the letter of what you've asked but it's begrudging, you know that you haven't won their heart. You know it's not willing. And until the message of the kingdom shows you what he's done for you, until your heart says, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my heart, my all, you haven't had it touch the bottom. Hey, most important thing, some of you are unhappy because you're forgetting you're the soil and he's the gardener. I know you've got thorns in your life and you're out there saying that's right. You've got stones and rocks in your soil and you're saying that's right. And you're saying, I just, I just don't know what to do about it. The soil's job is not to get rocks out. The soil's job is not to pull your thorns out. That's the gardener's job. It's your job to receive the seed. It's to hear the word. In other words, of course you're not strong enough unless you go to the gardener right now and say, oh Lord, I've got thorns in my life, please take them out. You've got to go now. I've got rocks in my heart, please pull them out. I will go back to the word, I will hear it, I will listen to it, I will reflect on it, I'll think out the implications, I'll obey it, I'll give myself to it. So I can see the power of the kingdom come through, I'll hear you, I'll listen to you. But you've got to pull the thorns and you've got to pull the rocks. And what's he going to say? He's going to say, of course, I've been waiting for you. I mean, you know, I took your thorns in my brow and I, I, I took your rocks and they buried me under one. And I've taken those things. That's what I'm here for. The kingdom of God cometh by hearing. So take heed how you hear. Let's pray. Our Father... And now we ask that if, you'd, if you would grant to us that everybody here would see that the lack of the kingdom power coursing through their life comes from a lack of willingness to truly hear with the whole heart the word of your kingdom, to submit to the gospel, to see what you've done, to give ourselves to it. If you would just show us that, we know that our lives would be changed. We ask you to do that. And, O oh, gardener, Jesus Christ, Pull out those rocks. Pull out those thorns. We will listen. We will hear. We will obey. We will give ourselves to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.